Welcome into the bank, a show which covers the Baltimore Ravens and the NFL. The bank is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 26 of The Bank. I'm here with my co-host, Gabe Ferguson. I'm Jordan Coe. You guys can check us out at uh, com. We both write for the site over there about the Ravens. We also post on the message board there. We'd love for you guys to become part of that conversation with us there. But Gabe, I think, you know, when we look at the first five weeks, we're about a third of the way done now through the NFL season. When we take a look at kind of where we stand a third of the way through, the AFC North looks like the juggernaut division of the NFL. Um, you've got, you know, uh, three teams that have basically two losses between them, one to each other, um, one that's undefeated, and a big matchup between Cleveland and Pittsburgh on the horizon. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, the AFC North looks like it's the best division in football right now. Um, you know, we talked about this division, we did a preview in the offseason, and we, we thought that, you know, Pittsburgh and Cleveland were both pretty good-looking teams. We thought that they had, both had potential to win, you know, 10, maybe 11 games, definitely in the playoff consideration. And I think we, at the time, thought the Ravens were head and shoulders kind of above above where these other teams were. But I think, at least through this point in the season, it looks like, you know, Cleveland and, and Pittsburgh are right there with the Ravens. I mean, Pittsburgh obviously undefeated. I think you can point to their their schedule and say, okay, but they haven't really played anybody significant yet. You know, I think the teams they've played, what, two wins outside of, um, yeah, two wins in general. And I think that also um, their defense isn't as good as what we anticipated from the Steelers. Maybe their offense is a little bit better, so it's kind of carrying the load a little bit. On the other side of things, Cleveland, um, they've obviously struggled in week one against the Ravens. Since then, they've won four straight. Um, you know, they have a defense that's pretty led by Miles Garrett. Their offensive line is incredible. They can run the ball effectively on pretty much anybody. You know, they had a pretty good team last week in, in Indianapolis, and, and I think they were up by two scores for a good part of that game. Like, they pretty much handled Indianapolis. Um I think that we have to really consider that this is going to be a tight division like throughout the entire season, and the Ravens are really going to have to, to play their best ball in order to come out on top. Now, they still have to play Steelers twice, one more game against the Browns, um, but we have a big matchup in, in the division coming up on Sunday between the Steelers and the Browns. What do you, th- who do you think is going to come out on, t- on top of that one? Yeah, you know, that's a tough one. I, I You know, in, my intuition would be essentially to say the home team, so you know, the Steelers um, because of that. But I think, you know, I think the Browns might be a little bit better of a team. I mean, if you look at Pittsburgh's schedule, they've had a really, really light. I mean, the Giants, not good. Broncos, not good. Texans, surprisingly not good. Um, and the Eagles look have looked pretty mediocre all year. And if you look at it, you know, Pittsburgh's escaped from those teams with a whopping plus 30 um, point differential. Um, and, you know, it's worth noting they didn't have to play another game in there. And, and so, you know, maybe their point differential is higher, but maybe it's also significantly lower if you throw in a Titans loss in, into that mix. Um, it's like, what, you know, what are we really getting from that team? 
in the same breath, you look at the Cleveland Browns and you see the same kind of thing. But if you take away the Ravens game there um, as that kind of 32 point loss, you've got almost a 40 point plus differential um, for this Cleveland team. And so, you know, 40 would be third best in the league. Now, obviously you can't do that. And that's not how point differential works. You don't get to take away your best win or your best loss. But I think that, you know, when you factor all those parts together and you add them up, you're going to have a pretty competitive close game. And I'm going to go with the home team because of that. But I think you see some chinks in the armor in, in the in the Pittsburgh team. I mean, Claypool, if Claypool didn't have the game he had last week, then Pittsburgh's not winning that game. Um, and Cleveland can get con- contributions from a lot of different guys. I mean, you saw Beckham take over a game. You're talking a little bit about Miles Garrett. Make- Baker Mayfield hasn't had a great game yet to this point. Um, Hunt has had some okay games when he's been sharing with Chubb, but you know, you didn't see a huge game from him last week or you didn't see huge numbers from him even after Chubb got hurt in that other game. So um, I think it's going to be a pretty close matchup between those two teams. Yeah, I, I feel like it's definitely going to be a close one. I think that it's, it's really hard to find who, who might have the edge here. I think I might lean slightly towards Pittsburgh because I feel like their defense could give Cleveland's offense problems the same way the Ravens defense gave them problems. Because Pittsburgh is so good against the run. Um, I'm not sure who wins that battle in the trenches. And Pittsburgh has a great defensive line. Cleveland has a great offensive line. Who wins that? It might come down the scheme. And if it does, maybe Cleveland gets the advantage there. Um, I'm not sure if there is a clear advantage for this one. I I think on the other side of the ball, Cleveland, you know, they have probably some issues in the secondary that I think Pittsburgh could probably take advantage of too. Um, I'm, I'm not sure how anybody really can match up against Claypool. And, and you know, we're going to get into Philadelphia and, and the game coming up next week for the Ravens. But, you know, he he seemed like he was uncoverable at times against, against the Eagles. And they were putting different corners on him. You know, put, they put Slay on him at, at times. And he's just bigger and faster than anybody. He's, he's kind of like the, the DK Metcalf type. And, and maybe it's just one game and he just kind of played out of his mind. But he looks like a a serious, you know, breakout candidate for the Steelers. And, you know, they always find these, these receivers, you know, Juju was a second rounder. Deontay Johnson, I think was like a third or fourth rounder. Claypool was a second rounder. And I don't think they've drafted a first round wide receiver for as long as I can remember, but they keep finding these guys who are excellent. And and we'll talk about the Steelers later, but you know, the weapons they now have, they have, you know, Roethlisberger, he looks okay. I think he's not quite back to what he used to be. He doesn't quite have that, deep ball that you that you were kind of so scared of um he's more of a game manager at this point of his career i think but if you put those weapons around him and they and they have a pretty interesting scheme um they have basically five good wide receivers on the team and and a decent running game um they're they're going to be a, a real challenge and and you know cleveland too they, they have weapons on offense they have a great scheme i think both teams might not quite be there on defense and that might be what lets them down in the end i think that's what gives the Ravens the advantage is they clearly have the best defense in the division, I think. So that might be where we see the Ravens, you know, moving ahead of these other teams because they have a defense that can really, you know, shut down pretty much anybody, I think, in the NFL. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a good drop, drop, drop down, drag out result in the AFC North this year. I think the one thing that stands out to me, and, you know, I want to talk a little bit about kind of how the Ravens play into this factor in the AFC North. And I think the place that that starts right now is the Ravens offense and and what looks out of sorts. But, um, you know, talking a little bit about just going back to point differential for a second, um, you know, 
it's hard not to notice that the Ravens lead the league in point differential. Now, Green Bay didn't play a game last week, so you know that buy kind of reduced that a little bit. But the Ravens also had a 14-point loss to the Chiefs added on top of that. So you throw that 14-point loss in and you ch- trade that out for a buy, and the Ravens are... 30, 40 points ahead of where the, um, you know, where the Packers are um, instead of just 20. And so you look at that and you compare it to the rest of the AFC North. And these guys are not in the same, you know, the same class. Again, Cleveland plus seven, Pittsburgh plus 31 um, with a game under, you know, a game less played. And so, you know, I want to talk a little bit about the Ravens offense and kind of what looks like it hasn't been doing and, and kind of, what where it could improve and what could be fixed but it's hard to ignore the fact that both the combination of the offense and defense have not been in sync in a game but the ravens still are dominating the rest of the league when it comes to the factors that matter um if point differential is your is kind of your thing and and um dvoa you know is another rating where i think the ravens were number one in dvoa at the end of all the games this week i I didn't look after tuesday because there's Lots of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know if they factored in Tuesday's game into their into their rankings for Week Five, but the Ravens definitely had the best um, DVOA ahead of Tuesday's game. So, and I don't think either of those teams was really. Maybe Tennessee could potentially be in the running as a, as a top team um, because you know they they're also undefeated at this point. They look they look pretty good. Um, they made Buffalo look not so great, and they were also a team who's doing pretty well. So uh, Tennessee might be another team we'll talk about later. The Ravens will eventually play them. Um, but I, I do think the Ravens' um, strength right now is their defense. I think I think that's pretty clear. Um, I'm not sure if they're the best in you know every single metric, but they're definitely near the top in terms of, of the metrics that matter, and that's, like, and that's points allowed. Um, and they've been doing a great job at turnovers, and they've been really doing a good job at pressuring um, opposing quarterbacks. And those are kind of the sticky stats that really um, kind of help you win games, I think. And on the other side, the offense, while they haven't been as good as I think we all expected, you know, nothing can probably be as good as what we saw last year. They were kind of historically good on offense. Um, And I think everybody would expect a little bit of regression, but – kind of just been like a mediocre offense so far and that's not exactly what we want to see i think it leaves a lot of room to grow and that's the good part because the ravens are essentially blowing teams out with because they're having a really good defense and an offense that's been able to take advantage of of that and take advantage of some short fields convert on some after some turnovers score some points in bunches and then once they get up a couple of scores they've really been able to like lock teams down and not let them get back to games and that's been their key success so far yeah, and it seemed like, you know, I feel like last year, and maybe this is just anecdotal, I feel like that wasn't the case last year, that some points were still getting put up, but the Ravens' offense just continued to pound and ground and, and score points and rack up yards, and that's where kind of, that's what was driving the point differential, so it does seem like, at least anecdotally, and this could be totally wrong, that's where we've seen some improvement, but on the flip side of that, I think on the offensive side, you've had moments later in games where the Ravens situationally should be able to some degree, take advantage of it. You would assume that teams would assume that they were going to run, that they would have heavier boxes that the Ravens could have some approach where they feel like they have some idea of what the defense is going to try and do to them. And it seems like altogether we've, I've been really unimpressed when these games get away from them. Um, you know, looking back to the Cincinnati game, the first three drives were actually pretty successful overall, you know, field goal, touchdown, 
touchdown. Um, one of those was on a really short field, and the first drive should have been a touchdown. The, uh, going back and looking at the Marquise Brown incompletion from about the 30-yard line, Lamar missed that throw. He had a co- completely clean pocket. He shouldn't have bailed. He should have set his feet. He had a really good – it's not a dagger route, but he kind of had – Andrews kind of running an out route underneath and then and then Brown running kind of like a nine up into a deep out route over top of it. Um, and one of them was going to be open. Um, and he just threw the ball to Brown almost two and a half seconds too late. Um, and that's what allowed the defender to get there. Um, you know, that can't happen. But even that would, would be the only play in the first three drives that I think was really that really stood out to me other than the kind of missed throw to Duvernay uh, on that one crosser. That really stood out to me is not okay. But then once they got past that, I think that on every single play, there was just something that it felt like wasn't working. And I guess the big question to me is, is this just the thing where they need to work out the kinks? Or is this something that we really have to worry about? And I certainly can see and, and understand why people say there's not really something to worry about here. Look at what they did last year. They're already on pace for almost 500 points again this year. They just turn it up a little bit. They'll, they'll clear the 500-point hurdle, and we'll all be really happy. Um, and that's true. But I don't see progress right now. Um, and maybe you can change my mind on this. I, I mean, it's hard to say that we're going to see progress or we have seen progress when I think the Ravens just had their worst offensive game of the year. And, and I'm counting that along with Kansas City, because I think even in the Kansas City game, you saw some things that looked better than what we saw last week. And even though, I think I think that was just kind of a few situational things. You know, we saw a drop in the, in the end zone from Andrews. It would have been a touchdown. We saw some other things that typically don't happen for the Ravens that happened. Um, I think that their offense has almost gone the opposite of what you would want over the course of the season. You kind of had the best week, I think, in week one, where they really looked good. You know, Lamar looked looked fantastic. He was, you know, making all the right decisions. He was finding open receivers. He was throwing on the move. Um, and, you know, we've seen a little bit of that since then, but it hasn't been as consistent. Um, and I think that for the Ravens, the question I've seen posed is, are they, are they really just trying to figure things out, like, intentionally? Are they using these first few weeks of the season kind of as, like, a preseason or as a way to try and figure things out? They're not, like, going out there trying to do what they do best necessarily. They're trying to figure out the things that they don't think they are that are working the best right now. So that's why it doesn't look great because they're intentionally working on things that they think they need to work on. And when you're up two, three scores against teams, you kind of have the luxury of doing that. And I'm not sure if that's a real thing or not. Um, I think there might be some truth to that because a lot of the, you know, passing concepts that we've seen have been, very, I would say, bothersome to me. Like, they just don't seem to make sense in terms of, of like, and you, you used this before, too. Like, there doesn't seem to be the intentionality out there. Like, they're not putting together, like, sequences of plays that really make sense for um, what you want to do in certain situations or how you want to sequence a drive to really keep a defense off balance. And I feel like they're kind of working on the technical details of how to, like, do you know, specific route combinations or different personnel groupings. And maybe they are planning on like figuring out the kind of overall like scheme of things at a later point in the season. Um, and maybe that's an arrogant way of looking at it. And it could be that that's completely wrong. And they're just like struggling because they don't have the same mojo that they had last year. And they're missing some important pieces like Marshall Yanda and Hayden Hurst. Um, but I think that there's definitely a little bit of 
still working through things that we're seeing, but I don't know like what combination of, of it that we're seeing. Is it all, is it mostly working through things? Is it mostly they're just like not able to figure it out? And I'm not sure where to land at this point. Yeah, so here's my thing on that. And and I, I can see where people would say, okay, the Ravens are due, like they're outside their comfort zone in terms of play calling, right? They're going to throw the ball a lot more than they would have otherwise. And and even John Harbaugh in his press conference basically lied. <laughs> like, 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 he, he straight up lied about the numbers of what the passing numbers were and the running numbers were in the game, you know, and maybe he was just misremembering, but he intentionally made them sound less exaggerated than they were. Um, and they were more exaggerated than what he, what he either recalled intentionally or unintentionally. And to me, you know, so I can, I can buy that, right. I can buy that from a play calling perspective, we want to try and throw the ball more because we need to be ready when we throw the ball. The part that I don't get is it almost seems like the Ravens are trying to do the most complex things in the passing game instead of the easy things first. So like, let's run a mesh crossing route pattern and let's let our, our guys in live games run mesh concepts, rub receivers off in crosser routes, see how we can separate those, get Lamar comfortable in throwing crossing routes and leading receivers. Totally fine with that. It's a super basic, simple concept that you can run from any formation. The Ravens rarely ever run it and don't run it effectively. How about screen passes? We rarely screen pass. We know there are situations where we're going to get heavy pass rush. Why don't we practice by running some additional screens? Why don't we Why don't we get the ball to some of these younger guys? Why don't we try these different combinations of um, slip screens or you know run more reverses to make sure that the one that Duvernay ran wasn't just a one off, but like let's clean up what we might have saw on 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 those works. That's not what we're seeing. We're seeing the Ravens trying to do all kinds of wacky, ridiculous things. Um, and so I think that's my problem with it. It, it almost, and, and I've certainly, I've used the same word at baltimoresportsandlife.com on the message board. Please join us there for the conversation. The intentionality is certainly lacking and I'm willing to cut a little slack on down and distance intentionality because you're trying to do certain things. At the same time, what's the purpose of trying to do something that you would do at third and one instead of third and 10 out of that situation because you're going to see a defense that doesn't make any sense for that situation. You still have to, you still have to be situationally smart for some of those things. And so I guess that's my question. Are the Ravens is what they're trying to do so far and away more difficult than what they're able to accomplish or is it really just busted and not working? Yeah. You know, it's hard to say at this point in the season, um, this, this isn't a normal season. I think we can keep going back to that. They didn't have the preseason. They didn't have the kind of installs that you would normally have. Um, so it's hard to really know exactly where they are in certain things. I think the other side of the ball, um, Wayne Martindale mentioned that he pretty much said of these, like this first part of the season was their preseason. Like that, they were still working through things. They're still trying to figure things out on defense. Um, players, especially rookies, are still kind of like learning on the fly. Um, and one of the things that I am disappointed about, and you know, this is something that you talked about in your article, is personnel. And and he was getting on the field um, because, and and you mentioned Duvernay and, and Dobbins, and and those are two guys that you know the Ravens spent pretty high draft picks on, that they were very excited about. But I'm not sure how that excitement has translated to on the field yet. And I mean, we've seen them. And we've seen them look very good on the field when they've been given opportunities. You know, Duvernay, obviously with that reverse, he looked incredible. He had a kick return for a touchdown. He's explosive in the open field, but they're only giving him like two or three touches a game. Dobbins is pretty much in the same boat. You know, he's been someone who has been actually really useful in their like 
two-minute drill and like their and his ability to run routes out of the backfield and kind of like you can put him on an option route and he's open like nine times out of ten and he can run wheel routes and you get him in space and he makes people miss he forces missed tackles he's someone that you want to give the ball 10 12 15 times a game because he's kind of just a spark plug he's a guy who's going to you know get you some chunk yardages and that's something that the ravens need at this point in the running game and i'm not sure if they don't know how to integrate him into the kind of running concepts that they are used to because maybe he does some things a little differently but i think in some in some types of of you know, run schemes, he can be very good. I think you can use him in like the wide zone. You can use him in the split zone. You can give him some tosses. Um, I think there's a lot of ways that you can get him kind of on the edge and out in space and let him use his elusiveness and speed to just really gash defenses. Uh, I don't think he's being used enough. Clearly Duvernay has been not downfield running routes as, as much as we'd like to see. I mean, Boykin's out there every single route basically. And he's not even getting looked at by Lamar at this point. He seems to only, he doesn't seem to trust Boykin to, to come down the ball. And frankly, it's hard to really argue with it because we've seen an interception and we've seen him basically um, miss a touchdown because he's, he's not crisp in his routes and he doesn't look like he wants to fight for the ball. So put Duvernay in, just, just put him in there and let him take those routes. And, and he's the person who's, who you can see, with the ability to make plays. And that's something that I want to see the Ravens start to do. And that to me is their the kind of like the silver bullet they have in their gun that they're, you know, they can fire at any point. And maybe they're trying to save that and save it for like later in the season when it matters more. But I want to see it now because I want to see them have that. I want to see him get more and more involved. And I want to see them have confidence for when the plays that do matter for these players to be able to step up and, and, make the plays when it actually matters. And that's something that I think they need to start getting them more involved now so they have the confidence later in the season. Yeah, two things that you said there that stand out to me. The first is, if we're just like trying from a scrimmage format to see how things work and we're being loosey-goosey because we don't think it matters anymore, then there's no excuse for Mark Ingram carrying the ball like the first four times in the second half of the last game. I just have a really hard time meshing those two comments. I think, you know, the other part of it is, yeah, like you're not going to be able to hide this stuff from other teams, right? Like they're going to figure it out. Like there aren't the, there's not this like one magic bullet play that like, if we like, there's, there's no annexation of Puerto Rico here, right? Like we're not saving this great play for, you know, for the one moment in the one big game where it's going to totally blow the water off of, blow everything out of the water and we're all just going to be stunned by it. We're just going to be observant of Greg Roman's beauty on play calling. I, I just don't buy that either, right? So to me, it's like, yeah, you've got to do these things. And in particular, you've got to get Lamar to trust his guys. Like Lamar clearly trusts Marquise Brown, clearly trusts Mark Andrews, and clearly doesn't trust anybody else. And teams have figured that out and you've got to start to make him throw to other guys. How do you do that when you're up by 20, then you take Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews out of the game and you make him throw the ball to somebody else. But again, they were still running Andrews out there. They were still running Brown out there. They were still running them in combinations together. And he was still throwing to those guys, even when in some cases, I don't think that they were the first reads. Um, so, you know, I totally agree with you that they've, they've got to start to figure some of this stuff out. They've got to be, more intentional about all of it. That's the very bottom line. And and that's why I say like just work in simple 
concepts. That's what I really want to see next. I want to see the Ravens try and get better at running slants, get better at running mesh routes, get better at running screens. They don't have to do all those things. Just pick one. Get better at back shoulder throws. In situations where you think the other team is going to be somewhat predictable in some way, be intentional about what you're working on and and let it be obvious. Let teams know that you're working on getting really fucking good at crossers. You know, that's what, you know, that's what, that's what, that's what will put teams on their heels, right? Because if you see guys running mesh concepts against each other and you see the Ravens being really successful at it, then you're going to see teams have to be forced to defend it. And then you know when you show that look, the teams will change how they defend it and then you throw behind that or you take a different approach to it. That's how you set teams up. Not, not again, not the, and you know, you, you know, not the Puerto, not the annexation of Puerto Rico. I think um, one thing that you said that I really, completely agree with is and and you didn't say it specifically but i think the thing that the ravens need to start doing on offense is do some more um quick hitting offensive route concepts um in the passing game because it seems like every single time they're dropping back lamar's looking to hit his deep read and if that's not there he's kind of just like scrambling around and and letting you know something come to him downfield he's not looking to go with the quick pass on, I would say most instances. And, you know, there have been a couple of times where he's like taking the slant on like a, on a third down and it's worked. But I want to see that integrated to the offense on a regular basis. I want to see that as a regular concept that Lamar can, you know, take the shot, the pass in the shotgun or in the pistol, um, you know, do a quick, you know, two step drop and find his guy who's going to be open underneath because that guy's going to be there like, you know, 75% of the time open. They don't do any of these these quick passing routes. I mean, occasionally you'll see them throw a quick out, but like most of the time, it's it's not there. The screen game, like you said, is not part of the offense at this point. They'll do a wide receiver kind of tunnel screen. They've done it to Duvernay a couple of times, um, but for the most part, it's it's a very small component. Um, it seems like it's mostly just you know down the seams to Andrews and and the, like these kind of like deep deep crossers to Brown and things like that, um, or maybe the deep post and. You know, those are great plays, and, and when it works, it looks incredible. Um, but a lot of times, they're not even happening, like, on time. It's happening because the receivers uncover, because Lamar is able to buy some time and find them downfield as they, like, modify their route. And that's something that shouldn't be part of the offense. It shouldn't be the what's needed for the offense to work. Um, it should be something that's much more, like you said, intentional, and something that's much more, like, using – you know, just the basic, like, organic kind of, like, flow that you get when you start, like, building play after play after play and getting defenses on their heels. And and once that passing game starts to really click like that, then you can go back to the running game, and it's just, like, it opens everything up. But when you're really struggling to do one of the things, and at this point they're kind of struggling a little bit on both sides of the ball, it's just it's just not looking pretty. And, and they need to, you know, iron these things out. We mostly have talked about passing the ball, and we haven't even discussed running the ball, which – They've been up and down with um, the run blocking is is okay, but it's they're not really hitting the the, the five yard, six yard chunk yards every single time like they were last year. On first down, you know it's that's a lot of three yard gains to Mark Ingram, and, and that's not something that I think you want to keep doing necessarily. Although I think it is important to keep those plays in the playbook, but I don't know. What, 
Do you think the running game is, is ahead or behind the offense at this point? I'm, I'm not even sure anymore. I, I think the running game is farther ahead than you're giving it credit for. I mean, if you look at it statistically, it, even there are two things that I think that factor into that. One of them is that they're averaging like 5.6 yards per carry. So just from a pure rushing, you know, statistic perspective, it's pretty good, right? And and we played five, we played a third of the season now. So sample size is big enough that I think that you can take that average and it says something, right? Um, I think the other part of it is Lamar's rushing has been really poor, right? We saw him obviously banged up and not part of the game plan last week. Like, I think the numbers are down from like nine and a half last year to like five and a half this year. So there's obviously some room for upside there, but that also speaks to the quality of what we're getting on the ground too. Um, Gus Edwards has been phenomenal running the ball. The Ravens just refuse to commit to it. And I'm kind of okay with that for right now. Like, like if like, like I'm okay with throwing the ball a little bit more because we want to be ready to throw the ball a little bit more. Um, I do think that the Ravens have shied away this year from running in passing situations and not just first and 10, like, but second and 10, second and eight, third and six, third and seven. Those are situations last year where the Ravens often ran the ball um, and really burned teams because they played them like they were going to pass the ball. Even the Lamar Jackson, I believe the Lamar Jackson touchdown run was on a second and long. Um, third and five. Third and five. Okay. So, but a situation where you had five wide and you would spread them out. Either way, I think the running game has been good enough. Um, obviously not as great as last year. Obviously some issues across the offensive line, but not enough for me to say, oh, I get why the Ravens aren't running the ball more. Now, again, you're not in competitive games here. Um, the the KC game honestly never slipped away from them. I think they should have run more in that game. I think the Ravens should have run more in every single game they've ever lost um, under the Lamar era. Um, but all that being said, I, I'm okay with where the running game stands right now. They've just got to commit to it, and they've got to situationally let them be better. Like Obviously, third and shorts, second and shorts, those are ones that they can commit to, and you're just going to have to take what you get. But you know, run and passing situations a little more often and pass and running situations a little more often. Definitely agree with with that take. Um, I think that those things in general are going to be good for any offense. And, you know, that's what makes play action so effective is, you know, you fake the handoff on first down and a lot of teams are still expecting that run. And then, and then you have the ability to, to, you know, hit a deep ball or not even a deep ball. Just you'll have a, a bigger chance to, like, find, a, find an opening on the field. Um, play action, the Ravens obviously use a lot. I think they could probably use it a little more in the passing game. Um, and then the thing that I think the Ravens should do more of is running out of passing situations, like you said, and that's also a personnel thing. So they should be not always only running the ball when you have 12 personnel or 22 personnel or 21 personnel run out of 11. Like that, that was the, I think the personnel that was on the field when Lamar had his, his touchdown run, they had that defense spread out. They had one guy that they basically had to block and one guy that they had to like convince to like kind of, you know, take a bad angle. And then you had a huge lane. And it doesn't have to be Lamar. It can be Dobbins or it could be Ingram or it could be Edwards. And when you don't have a loaded box and you you have guys like the Ravens do in the running game in the running back group or with Lamar Jackson, you can pick up big chunk yardage that way. And it's something that, you know, they did in one play last week. It got called back on a hold, but they had like a third and something and Lamar had this one good looking run of the entire game. Um, you know, they ended up picking it up on the next play anyway, but that's the kind of thing that I, I'd like to see more of um, because it's something that the teams might not be expecting. It's either their quarterback draw, it can be like a normal 
like running back draw to Dobbins. I think Dobbins could be really effective in that. You know, if he can get out of that initial box and he can make some guys in the in the secondary miss or at the linebacker level, you know, he can pick up 20, 30 yards on a play like that. We saw, I guess we're not quite there, but in, in last week's game that Pittsburgh and, and the Eagles had, that's exactly how Miles Sanders had like a 75-yard touchdown. It was like a third and long. They gave him a, a inside handoff when the Steelers were like rushing five or six guys. He made one guy miss, made like another guy miss tackle downfield, and he had a 75-yard touchdown. That's the kind of play that the Ravens should be doing more often. They have the personnel to do it, but for some reason they are kind of looking to Jackson and only Jackson to pass the ball in these situations. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think there are a lot of things that we can look for to see the Ravens clean up on offense. But, you know, you look to the other side of the ball and we see, you know, the progress that we were looking for after the Kansas City game was there. Um, you know, the blitzes, the designs, the rushes, everything that Wake Martindale seemed to draw up the week before in Kansas City wasn't working. Now, for whatever reason, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. But it was all working against Cincinnati. And I think Cincinnati is not as good on the offensive line overall as Kansas City, but the concepts were smarter and tighter. Kind of how they were working together, I thought, was smarter and tighter. That's the Ravens' defense that I think that other teams are going to have to learn to expect. Um, and I think that they're going to have – it wasn't just Joe Burrow being terrible. Joe Burrow was terrible in that game. It was He was – he was really bad. Um, but even beyond that, I think that some of the pressure that was coming in was pressure that even against Mahomes was going to get there in, in that instance of the game. Burrow escaped a few times, but there were just, uh, there was just enough pressure coming from randomly different places in well-concepted ways that he wasn't going to be able to handle it. And, and Brandon Williams anchored a great run defense again and Cincinnati tried to run the ball and they just, they just couldn't. Yeah, that's definitely a thing that the Ravens have improved a lot with the addition of Clayus Campbell, having him next to Brandon Williams. Even though he's not the same kind of stout defender that you have you had last year in Michael Pierce, I think Campbell's actually a better run defender than, than Pierce was because he disrupts the offensive line more than Pierce did. And and you know, Pierce would have like a nice penetration every once in a while, but Campbell can, you know, occupy one blocker, sometimes two blockers. He can penetrate into the backfield, and he's someone that just next to Williams is really difficult to move. And they're using those two guys a lot in their base nickel package. And for a while, the Ravens were a team that you could run on when they were in their sub packages. But with those two guys out there, it's, it's they've shown that it's really difficult, and that makes them basically turn other teams one dimensional. And when you turn a team one dimensional and force them to drop back and pass, you know, 35, 40 times a game it really allows Martindale to get into his wheelhouse in terms of how he's going to, you know, mix up coverages, mix up his pressure packages. He's going to do these, these faint blitzes where he, you know, he rushes or pretends to rush six and drops two or three into coverage. And he has two guys overloaded on one side and, and there's three offensive linemen not blocking anyone. And it's, it's really, you know, a great way to keep an offensive line off balance, keep a quarterback off balance. And it's, you know, exactly how we, we saw the Ravens dominate the Bengals and, and, and their offensive line didn't know what was coming all day. Joe Burrow didn't seem to know where the pressure was coming from all day. And I think that's something that we're going to see a lot of this week as well when they go into Philadelphia and take on the Eagles because the Eagles also have an offensive line that has some issues. It seems like they only have, what, one or two starters that are healthy. Um, looks like Lane Johnson is not going to play this game. They're already down. They're starting left tackle. They're back up left tackle. Um, I think they're missing their starting right guard. 
Um, so they basically have a mash unit and offensive line. They have their center, Jason Kelsey, and that's pretty much it. Um, I think that's going to be a unit that the Ravens look to expose. And I think that's going to be the main thing for the Ravens to lean on in this game is that their defense can just dominate the Eagles up front, keep them from being able to run the ball, keep them from being able to get comfortable when they're passing the ball. As talented as Carson Wentz can be at times, he's going to struggle when under pressure. He's shown that throughout his career. He tries to do too much himself, and he will take sacks. He'll turn the ball over, and the Ravens have shown that they can capitalize on those kind of situations. Like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, the Ravens have been able to get out in these leads, get out 14-point, 17-point, 21-point leads. And after that, you can just say it came over because nobody's going to come back on this defense when they get up two or three scores. Yeah, well, let's get into the Eagles game that's coming up, um, you know, and let's start a little bit about what we think the, the Eagles can do on offense. What do you what do you see from them? Well, I mean, like I mentioned, their offensive line is an issue, and I think that they have some weapons on offense. You know, they have Zach Ertz, who's – I think he's still a quality tight end. He's probably not quite at the peak of his powers, a couple, or he was a couple of years ago, where he was really someone who was almost un, unguardable at times. You know, I think there was an argument between him and Travis Kelsey as to like, who was like the top tight end. Um, and I think he's clearly taken a step back. But he still has, you know, good set of hands. He can run routes. Um, he's someone that is going to be a person, someone that the Eagles and, and once you're going to look for kind of in key situations. Um, they also have a wide receiver named Travis Fulgham, who really showed up last week in the Pittsburgh game. Um, you know, he was someone who Wentz was looking to constantly. He seemed like the guy that Wentz was really targeting. Uh, and he was really impressive. He's not the fastest guy. Um, he's got good size, and he can make contested catches. I think he's someone that the Ravens are going to look to maybe try and take away with Jimmy Smith on the outside. I think we'll see – this is another game where I think, you know, we'll see Smith play more corner than than um, safety because he matches up well with guys like like – like Fulgham, um, you know, the Eagles also have a couple of speedy guys. Um, Hightower, I think he's, he's a rookie. He, he's ability to get downfield. Um, you know, I think Deshaun Jackson is, is in line to come back for this game. He, he's, even though he's, what, like 35, he's still got some wheels. Um, so they do have some playmakers on offense. Um, Miles Sanders, I mentioned earlier, he had that 75-yard yard run on a, on a draw play to, to beat the – or to get, get a score on, on the Steelers. You know, he can make people miss in the open field. He has speed. He can take pretty much any run to the house if he if he can make a couple people miss. So there is speed. There there are weapons. You know, Wentz has a big arm. I think it's really going to come down to how can they handle the Ravens' pressure and blitz up front. And if, if they can, if they can, then it could, it could be kind of a challenge for the Ravens. But I, I don't think the offensive line is, is going to be able to hold up. And that that's what's going to really win this day for the Ravens, I think, is going to be their ability to to win up front, win in the trenches, stop the run, and really get after the passer. Yeah, and the Miles Sanders big run was actually off of a blitz from Pittsburgh that kind of caught them out of whack and kind of let him get into that space. Um, so I think that's definitely something for the Ravens to be a little concerned about. The other thing that kind of jumped out to me was that um, Wentz is 
a little more athletic and escapable than I thought he was based on kind of everything that we've heard or everything I had heard up to this point about him, you know, on the year. You know, we heard a lot about just how he didn't look that good and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And when it came down to it, you know, Wentz had a pretty decent game overall, I thought. Um, under what is a pretty tough front for for his guys to play against. And obviously, Lane Johnson, as you point out, is going to be a huge factor, I think, for you know how well this offensive line plays for the for the Eagles. But they don't have they don't have the playmakers that Wentz has kind of historically had at wide receiver. I think Ertz and Goddard look good enough. Um, both of them kind of seem to be their regular roles. I think got um, went or Ertz. Ertz is a guy that could end up giving the Ravens a lot of trouble. The Ravens had some trouble with Kelsey. Um, and so it's really a question of whether the Eagles deploy him in the same similar kind of style. Um, but overall, I agree with you. I think we see an offense that is going to struggle. I think the Ravens are going to give, you know, when struggled the most and Pittsburgh did a decent job of this at times of throwing a look at him where he thought he was going to get one thing and then they totally changed it up got something different and he double clutches in those moments. He, he's trying to identify at the line of scrimmage, what he thinks he's going to see and how he thinks he needs to attack it. And I think, I think that by and large, the league in some ways has caught up to him a little bit in that sense. And so they're trying to defensive coordinators are throwing a little bit more creativity at him. And so if that's, what's going to happen, I can't think of a better guy to do something like that than Wink Martindale. So hopefully the Ravens don't get too out of control on that side of things. I think, you know, we talked a little bit about how we think the Ravens run defense is essentially going to be able to shut them down. I think, you know, it's great to see, you know, Humphrey and Smith and Averitt and Peters playing at the level that they're playing right now. It gives, you know, it gives a lot of latitude to what Martindale can do. And I think he's starting to gain trust in, both using Smith at the safety level effectively, but also using Averitt at the as the third corner and knowing that he's a guy that teams might attack and that they, the Ravens have to figure out how to get him health help and kind of bracket the coverage and the defenses accordingly that way. But it certainly seemed to be the case that this past week the Ravens did that pretty effectively. Um, and so if they can continue that trend and Averitt continues to take strides forward, um, being an effective guy, I think that there's a real opportunity for the Ravens to to post a really another another blowout blowout kind of defensive game where Philly's only going to put up ten or less points in this game. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely possible, and and a lot of it does lie on on the offensive line and 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 Wentz too, and. I was getting back to Wentz a little bit more, I, I agree with you. I think he actually played a really good game this past week against the Steelers. Um, he is, I mean, he's always been fairly elusive. He's been able to, like, avoid rushers, um, kind of reset, look downfield and find receivers. Um, and, and he, I feel like he came really close to making a lot of, a number of, like, downfield completions in this game. And they're just like maybe, you know, six inches off of the receiver's hands or, or very close to becoming big completions. And some of them just like timing was just a little bit off. And that's something that the Ravens are definitely going to have to look out for. Um, I think that you can still use a, a lot of man coverage in this one, but it's definitely going to be a situation where you want to, like you said, mix up your coverages, you know, show him one thing and then go somewhere else with it. I think that's going to be really key along with the pressure that he doesn't necessarily know where it's coming from. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And, and again, they're just, the playmakers aren't there to support Wentz and Wentz hasn't looked good. And there's certainly been statistics and things that you see out there about Wentz's accuracy 
I think that plays a part of it. But at the end of the day, I think that the talent just isn't there. And, you know, when you flip it over to the other side and you talk a little bit about the defense for the Eagles, I think it's the same problem um, where they've got on the defensive line. They're really talented. And obviously Fletcher Cox played a fantastic game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think Fletcher Cox plays really well against pretty much everybody he plays against. But I think that the defensive line is one that the, that is going to shut down the Ravens um, or not shut down, but, but be, be effective against the Ravens running game and be effective against the Ravens offensive line. Um, and it's, it's a good test and a good question mark for, um, you know, from the fans perspective, a, a somewhat maligned group. Yeah. I think that one area where the Ravens can take advantage of the Eagles. And I do agree with you that they have, a really talented defensive line. You know, Fletcher Cox is one of the top, I'll say top five defensive tackles in the NFL. Malik Jackson is a, is a very talented um, defensive tackle. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, I think he's a, a pretty high draft pick. He, he's been a good player. Um, and they also got Javon Hargreave from, from Houston to be a Steeler, a very talented nose tackle. So they have like elite talent up front. Um, what, what they lack, I think, is a little bit of discipline. Um, and I'm not sure if it's scheme discipline or if it's kind of more of just like an aggressive nature that their players have. And we saw them, at least in this past week, kind of have some issues against misdirection. The Steelers used a lot of kind of um, jet motion and reverses and you know fake jet motion and reverses. And it really kind of threw off the Eagles and it, it allowed for some big plays from, from the Steelers. I think... It's not something that we've seen a lot of from the Ravens. Obviously, they had the big end around last year or, or last week or reverse. I, I can't remember what's the difference between end around and reverse. Um, <laughs> but they did one of them, and DuVernay had a great gain. Um, I think I'd like to see you know three, four, five of those plays in this week. And it could be maybe jet action to DuVernay or um, maybe getting Marquise Brown on like a double reverse. You know, something like that that just allows for – a big opportunity where you can have the defense flowing one way and then you just have everybody else going the other way. And, and it tends to work against aggressive defenses. And I think this, the, this Eagles team is kind of like a good fall prey to that. Um, on the back end, I saw them do a lot of man defense. I don't know if you saw the same thing, um, but I think that's also something that obviously the Ravens can take advantage of if they choose to do that against Lamar Jackson, he might have some big running lanes. Um, They'll probably spy him. I'm not sure who they will spy him with, though. If it's a linebacker, I think he can probably beat them. If it's a defensive back, then you're probably looking to pass over him. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eagles try to defend Jackson. I think we've seen teams week in and week out have a unique game plan for defending the Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson. Um, And I won't be surprised if the Eagles come with something like that as well. I don't think they're going to have the same game plan necessarily that we saw last week. But I still think they have the same tendencies in their defense, and I think you can attack those tendencies. So I think definitely I would look at, at a lot of quick-hitting things like we talked earlier, use misdirection, use try to mix in a couple of screens and some draws. I think that can really go a long way into kind of getting um, the ability to take advantage of a defense who's, who's really pretty talented up front. And I think if you can get them off kilter a little bit, it'll help as the game progresses. 
Yeah, you know, a couple things that, well, the difference between an end around and a reverse is an end around is a direct handoff to the wide receiver. The reverse is like a handoff to a running back and then in one direction and then the running back tosses it to to somebody coming in the other direction. And so that, that's, right. that's, I don't know why, I don't know what, the, the distinction, at least the way the Ravens executed it is kind of nominal because Lamar was essentially a running back because it was quarterback quarterback power to the right with Lamar pretending like he kept the ball. So for all intents and purposes, it really was a reverse. Um, but I think it's logged in the box score as an end around. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I saw, you know, I, I think you're right kind of across the board in terms of what Philadelphia was doing in these past games. I think we're going to see more zone. I think the thing that, I think the thing that has befuddled the Ravens this year is that they've seen a lot more zone than man. Um, teams are still showing man. And when they do it, they're doing it in somewhat of a disguised way so to speak. And that's, that's been a little tricky for Lamar and, and Greg Roman to diagnose. Um, but I think we're going to see more zone. You're going to see some of the same concepts of kind of the scrape and the edge push and, and the secondary guy being aggressive and following the Ravens motion. It's been something we've seen all year. The Ravens haven't adjusted to it yet. I'd really love it if they did. We'll see if it happens in this Eagles game. I'd expect to see that from them and not anything that we saw on tape up to this week, um, which is what the Ravens have been saying has been happening to them every single week. So figure out how to stop it against one team, and then everyone will go back to what their tendencies are most likely if you can find a way to exploit it. Um, one of the things that I thought Pittsburgh was really effective at in terms of a tendency that we might see or kind of a replication of what could happen in terms of the offense um, it was being really good on crossers and slants and quick, short underneath stuff. Philly seemed to, even when they were in zone, but especially when they were in man, willing to kind of give that up. And through the first half, Pittsburgh really just burned them on it. There was one drive that I think was 15 or 16 plays some of it aided by what I thought were questionable penalties, but um, it was a really long drive and everything was short, quick underneath and guys were still running open to pick up first downs. The crossers, their guys were, were certainly outrunning, outrunning the, the cornerbacks of the Eagles. I want to see Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay run a, a mesh concept underneath. Like run them, like practice that at kind of that one and four yard marker, rub your guy off each other, let a guy run free and let them run. Um, I think that's something that could be effective, but quick passes underneath seem to be the thing that Philly was willing to give up in that concept early. Now, Pittsburgh continued to burn them on long drives for that. I think Philadelphia kind of decided they weren't going to let that happen anymore. And then that's when the game kind of got away from them. Um, and that's when kind of they got aggressive on the short stuff and you saw double moves from Claypool. That's why he was running what seemed to be so wide open. Um, I still think the Ravens would have drafted Claypool if he would have been there at 55 instead of J.K. Dobbins. Um, he would have been a perfect fit for this offense, and he was a guy I wanted the Ravens to take. Um, obviously, the Steelers took him a little bit earlier, but I see no reason why Marquise Brown and Devin Duvernay cannot do the exact same thing that Chase Claypool did to did to Philly. There was nothing about it that wasn't wasn't was unique to his size, so there weren't. There was the one big play down the sideline, and, and his size certainly helped with that. But one of them was just a double move, and then Claypool coming back to the inside. One of them was an end-around run. One of them was um, like a basically a wide receiver screen where he had three blockers directly in front of him after he motioned to one side on an easy catch. Um, so, you know, I think the Ravens could look at a lot of what Claypool did and, and mirror the, some of those concepts into their playbook if they already have them, um, and attack the, attack Philadelphia in the exact same way. So let me ask you something. When was the last time you remember the Ravens 
running a double move on the outside. Like a really hard sell double move. It hasn't I mean, been for a while. I, yeah, I, I haven't looked I, I haven't been looking for it, but but it's something that they should obviously be doing. Um, I don't think they love to run Greg Roman has in his playbook. I don't think it's something that he has really that he goes to as it's I think it was something that we saw with Marty Morningwig, but I feel like I remember, you know, Steve Smith running some of those routes. But honestly, that might be the last person I can remember who, who was running a, a route like that. I Like, past two years, I don't recall seeing it at all. I mean, that makes my heart hurt a little bit to think that that's true. So I, I don't want to believe it's true. Um, <laughs> I haven't been watching for it. And there certainly hasn't been the case where Lamar has thrown to a guy that's successfully run a double move and come uncovered or wide open because of it. And so we haven't certainly seen that. That being said, you know, you're right. We haven't seen kind of these out and ups. You haven't seen the sluggos. You haven't seen kind of some of these route combinations. You know, a sluggo is where you're running a slant and then and then you kind of stop it and then you cut upfield um and go north south at that or north at that point. Um you haven't seen really any of those concepts and it wouldn't be hard for the Ravens to run some of those. Yeah. And I think when you have somebody like Lamar Jackson who has a, a big arm, you know, he can connect on that. And, you know, teams are looking to kind of like be aggressive and take away his reads. Like, can you imagine, you know, Boykin running one of those routes and being wide open down the field or, or Duvernay? Like, like you, like you said, like that's something that they should be doing because teams are aggressive against Lamar Jackson. Let's, let's be real here. They, they want to try and take away, you know, certain things and, they don't think that he can throw that deep ball on them, or, or at least like along the, the sideline. They think he's trying to force things to over the middle. Like, that's what teams are trying to take away. So if you kind of put some of these concepts in there and you know combine it with, of course you have to set it up right. You have to have that that kind of like that slant route, and then you have to have that you know quick you know ten yard out, and then you just say okay here we're going to go to it, and then next time when you bite hard on that quick out, we're going to just like send them flying down the field. And I would really like to see them incorporate that, but maybe it's just not something that they've worked on. I, I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to keep an eye out for it now. We'll have to come back to this topic. And when, when we watch some film for the next week and we watch this game against the Eagles to see if it's something that happens, but um, yeah, it's certainly something that the Ravens haven't tried and it's certainly something that they should work in. I mean, I think there are a lot of things I'd like to see the Ravens work in and, and that's what, again, it's, it's just, you don't have to do everything at once. Right, like each week, work on a different concept. One week, if you get to junk time, it's double moves this week, guys. We're gonna run these concepts that, that are built on double moves. The next week, when we get up big, they're gonna be rushing the passer. It's gonna be screens. The next week is gonna be you know pick whatever you want, right? Like for me, I want mesh crossers and I want screens, but whatever bubble screens it doesn't matter to me what it is. Pick one and work on just that and practice it all week, and then do that one thing. It seems like the Ravens are trying to find magic in a, in a, you know, a genie in a bottle every single time. And that's great. In, and, and that's fun when it works. And, and that's what we saw a lot of last year is I, it was, it was obviously working, but um, you know, there's no need to be kind of that extensive and that greedy about it overall. Yeah. I, I think there's just like, I mean, it goes back to our original kind of conversation and saying, are, are they trying to like, just like figure things out? Are they trying to like work on things that they don't think they, are very good at yet and that's why everything looks like it's a slog at this point or is there just something that's missing and 
I'm probably going to land somewhere in the middle, like I said before. I think they are working on things, but I also don't think their offense is really clicking. And maybe it's because they're trying to work through some things, and that's why it's not really seeming like it's like a, a really well thought out kind of thing, especially when we're, you know, having these two, three score leads. And, and you know, you don't need to really like go out there and put together like your best drive ever because you're up three scores. You need to go out there and, and grind some clock and maybe work on some, a few things. And, and they've had the luxury of doing that. So it's really hard to, for me to be too critical because of the situations that they've been in. Um, so, you know, I don't know what my expectations for this game are. I want to see the Ravens offense look better. I think that would make me feel a lot better as a fan. I think most fans would feel the same way. But mostly, I just want to see maybe a few of these things he talked about worked on. I want to see a few more passing, short passing game concepts. I want to see them run the ball a little bit better out of the spread or just even try to run the ball out of the spread. You know, just one thing here and there. And then I think you can kind of build. You know, we used to hear John Harwell say all the time, they're just like, you know, stacking days or stacking games, stacking wins. It's the kind of thing. Stack a few different things into the offense. Put a few wrinkles in every single week. And then by week 12, you have everything humming. And you're going into the end of the season with like, you know, every everything is going great. You have a pretty nice end of the schedule. I think the last like four or five games of the season is kind of like a light side to the schedule. You could be in good shape to, you know, make it into the postseason with, you know, all circuits go. And that's what I'm hoping for. So at this point, I'm not going to be hypercritical of them. I want to see them improve in some areas, but if, if, as long as you kind of still have this strong defense and you're still able to do enough on offense and get the win, that's the thing that matters the most. Um, but yeah, just maybe just start putting in a few things and, and showing us that you can, you can do them well. Yeah, well, this is the last game for a while that I think is a gimme game on the Ravens schedule. I think um, I don't know that I believe the Colts are for real, but the Ravens upcoming schedule even beyond that is is not a cakewalk. I think, you know, Dallas is not as good as I thought they were going to be. And the Colts aren't as good as their record says they are. But you've got Tennessee, Pittsburgh twice and Cleveland, I think, squeezed into the next six games after the bye. So. The Ravens have got to get it together soon. I'm glad that they've stacked these four wins. I'm hoping they stack another one this upcoming Sunday. I fully anticipate that they will, but they better be ready. And it's great that they get the, the Steelers out of the bye because the Ravens are really good out of the bye. Um, and I think they'll be ready for that game. But there's not any more. I, I don't see there being a ton of time to mess around because a really bad five or six games over that sequence is going to be bad against your contenders in the AFC that you're going to need for seeding. And it could, it could make things really problematic later in the year. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely true. You, you can't afford to have a bad stretch, um, especially against teams that are significant like competitors. And I think we said before the season, the Ravens will finish what 13 and three, 12 and four, somewhere in that range. I still think that's going to happen. Um, and I think there's maybe, you know, a handful of teams that the Ravens will have issues with in terms of like not being that kind of like blowout easy win. I think even the mediocre teams, the Ravens can handle pretty easily. Um, but what really is going to matter is these divisional games. I think the Steelers matchups are going to be key to the season. Um, obviously having wins against the Browns and the Bengals is, is great to start off. Um, but these two Steelers games, 
that happen in the middle of the season are, are really going to be what decide the outcome of the division and probably are going to dictate, you know, where the Ravens end up in terms of their playoff seating. So that's, those are the things that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. All right. Well, let's hope for the Ravens stack up another win this upcoming weekend with the Eagles going to the bye, stay healthy, see some improvement both on offense. I think the defense just keep things where they are. Um, and hopefully we're, we're reporting back on another win. Um, we'll be with you guys, I think, the week after the bye um, to talk a little bit about that upcoming Steeler game. It's a big one. I think it's a Sunday night game, if I recall. Um, so I think the Ravens have... Either that one or the other one is. No, the other one's a Thursday night game. So I think it's a Sunday night game when the Ravens play the Steelers next. Um, and I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a good one. So um, we'll talk to you guys soon.